Welcome to Donuts with Diane, a space for me to talk to my family, friends, and whoever else tunes in about tough subjects spoken kindly, where ignorance is explored and erased, where opinions are shared along with love expressed and laughter so loud it echoes, a space where stories and experiences are welcome, and last but not least, a space where donuts are being eaten. This podcast gives me a chance to invite guests and become educated in subjects perhaps I have been ignorant to. I am hoping that as a listener, you lean in and learn a thing or two or become curious about something that is discussed, whether a serious subject or a lighthearted subject. I hope you know that you are listening to a trusted voice that wants to learn, love, and laugh with you. You are listening to Donuts with Diane. Welcome to Donuts with Diane. Today I am sitting with someone who I met in late 2017, became best friends with this person in 2018. He asked me to be his wife April 17th, 2019, and on February 2020, we got married. Welcome to my show. Hey. <laughs> and God. Uh, Ian, I always like starting my podcast, complimenting the person sitting across from me. And what can I say about Ian Goff? You are probably one of the most hardworking people I know. You go out of your way to help people and you do it with such passion. You always put your heart and best effort into anything that you do. And you displayed it very well into making sure I had the wedding of my dreams. You are amazing and so smart and gentle and, might I add, handsome. Oh, that was nice. (laughs) Thank you. Welcome, Ian. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. This is is great. I uh, was really sad to know that I was not the first a donut with Diana. <laughs> I'm glad to be number two. Thank you, and I and I bought you some very delicious donuts. Yeah, say goodbye. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Anyways, I invited you to talk on my podcast because I thought that planning a wedding was something very interesting. It was that we did last year, and it took up a majority of our time. But what was interesting was getting to learn that the wedding industry is a lot more business oriented than I thought. And a lot of the traditions that we partake in and a lot of the things that we do is a lot of a majority of it is just a a scam. The majority of it's centered around price gouging. Yeah. Simply because it's a big event. Yes, exactly. And I wanted the the first half of our of the show to kind of talk about why the wedding industry is a scam. Talk about the traditions that we partake in, the traditions that we personally uh still involved in our wedding and, and the ones we chose not to <laughs> yeah and the ones we chose not in. to so something that i found and this is after doing a little bit of research um 
is that couples say the growing abundance of planning websites and online inspiration such as Pinterest and Instagram have piled more pressure for a standout wedding. So when you log onto Instagram and you log onto Pinterest and you just got engaged and you type in wedding, there's all these amazing pictures that come with decorations and how the ceremony should look. And there's all these flowers, real flowers, and these amazing wedding gowns. And it has caused a lot of pressure on brides, on millennials who, to be honest, a lot of millennials don't have money. But they because of, because of this image that is now trending online has caused them to feel pressured on having a wedding that people get to talk about, that people get to retweet or share on, on Pinterest and share on Instagram. Um, yeah, and I think the, the rise of all social media in general and just um, the internet presence is a huge factor for all of those things. You know, if you look at how many actual planning websites there are now, there's Wedding Wire, The Knot, Wedding Happy, My Registry, Bride.com, and all those things have the picture perfect fairy tale Disney princess wedding mm. um, that a lot of people want, but not everyone can afford or mm -hmm. e even find mm -hmm. the same venue or the, the same dresses that they have pictured themselves in for, you know, years. Yeah. Yeah, something interesting that I found was that Pinterest received more than 30 million visitors in March. Two of the 10 most popular boards are wedding-related, mm. with wedding gifts number 9 and do-it-yourself weddings number 10. Wow. And yeah, many of them featuring photos that that set fashion and decor bars very high for the soon-to-be bride. Well, all of last year, that was number one for us because that's yeah. what we seem to do is yeah. know, Pinterest, find wedding things. Um, just every, you know, the last year, just the wedding consumed our life, which yeah. wasn't a bad thing. It was yeah. good. I'm glad. I, I'm happy that you decided that you wanted to plan it yourself, which is really nice. And we, we did it a lot together. So it was really... Mm -hmm. It was a good process, and it was really exciting to be a part of it. I was really happy that um, we were able to do that together. Yeah. Um, and also something that, obviously for me, it felt more obvious as I tried planning our wedding and doing things myself, but a lot of the pictures that we see on Instagram and Pinterest are actually designed by wedding planners and designers. So even if it's do it yourself, what they advertise on those websites are still being done by professionals who go get wood from Hobby Lobby and all these different materials that they end up piecing together that they show us how to do, but then brides get upset when it doesn't turn out exactly how it's commercialized on the websites mm -hmm. so that's I think that's something that was pretty interesting yeah. let's talk about how vendors and anyone in the wedding industry kind of takes advantage of the bride and groom from oh, the so moment yeah from the moment that they are engaged from the moment that they have their dream wedding uh, well first off it, it starts with the pressure put on the man to buy an engagement ring mm. and a lot of people I found when I was doing research too that 61% of men will talk to their um bride or their their girlfriend before they propose mm. so the the thing that's really that puts a lot of pressure on the men from the start is 
that. And the average price that people pay for wedding rings is over $5,000. So from the start, you're already feeling like, wow, this is going to be expensive, mm-hmm. even though I don't even know if I'm going to get the right ring or that's mm-hmm. something that my, my mm-hmm. future bride would actually want. So I think that's right there is the first thing that people look at and they're like, oh, you have to buy an engagement ring and it has to be a certain size. But before I even propose to you, um, I started looking in October before um, I even thought about buying a ring. I was just looking and starting to like see things and what I needed to save for because you know we had talked before how we didn't want to go into debt for our wedding, um, but that was something I was thinking about earlier um, than before I even talked with it for you. So even back in October, I was looking at rings and I talked to your sister about what rings that she uh, or that you have showed her and different things that you have liked in the past. So how about the proposal? How? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I could talk about the proposal. Absolutely. And it goes back to, again, uh, Instagram or Facebook <laughs> or something that you want to be proud of that your future husband planned something out. That's so extravagant, so spectacular. You look on YouTube yeah. and you see these flash mobs of people <laughs> do, doing proposals, which is something I know you wouldn't have wanted, but you know, there's, are these, you sure? Mm-hmm. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, there's just so many different things that are just, um, that, that you see on the internet that you just automatically think, wow, I want that. I think it's impossible to not fall into a certain amount of, uh, not guilt, but it, it is a trap almost that you, um, are going to be purchasing something for your wife that mm-hmm. she is going to be wearing forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the end of the day, you have to realize, you know, you're not the one wearing this. Your wife is. You're not mm-hmm. the one posting this on Instagram or Facebook <laughs> and all these things. Your wife is. So you want something that's going to represent um, her and the love you have for her. Not saying that a big diamond means you love her more, right. but it means um, it, it does mean a certain type of sacrifice. And I knew that I wanted to get my wife something that she can be proud of, that she doesn't feel like she has to hide. So I really think I'm saying my wife is and you're not sitting right here, <laughs> but I think that that's one thing. I think it's really hard to not fall into that trap yeah. um, with all the different, the different websites out there that do make it easier for you to buy a ring yeah. that your bride wants. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, luckily you really wanted a, you know, conflict free, conflict free um, diamond. diamond. So, yeah. it, you know, that the Internet obviously makes that easier yeah. um, to get something um, like that. So after you do all those things, the pressure shifts from the man and it's all on the woman. After yeah, that. yeah. So it goes from, and I know that I was so stressed maybe the month before the proposal and maybe a month after, because I was thinking, wow, how am I going to pay for this? How are we going to afford this? How are we going to still start our life after the wedding? Mm. Um, but soon after that, it just transitioned to, wow, that stress is all on you now. And I yeah. have to try to, you know, help you manage that and help you think of ways that we can you know, uh, save money, uh, plan this, build these things. And, you know, there's just a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it definitely shifts from the mm-hmm. man to the to woman. The woman. I agree. And yeah, I have to say before, I mean, during my younger years, um, a girl, some girls think about their weddings and I did sometimes and I never really cared how I would be proposed to. I just wanted to be proposed to. Right. But then opening up an Instagram and opening up Pinterest and seeing so many different creative ways mm. <laughs> that guys <laughs> propose um, to their girlfriends made me have certain images of how 
I want to be proposed to. I had no idea how you were going to do it. I am so thankful how <laughs> how it happened. It was great. But yeah, I think I don't I agree with you, but to to a point I do think the pressure of how much depending on how much the girl post is on Instagram, that pressure of wanting that perfect proposal, it's still there because now guys will Hire I think a photographer. it's re- I think it's regardless of how much that person posts. I think it's uh, if that person doesn't post at all, this gives them a reason to. So I do think it's still a big mm. deal mm, if they have a social media presence at all. I think it's a huge deal because um, it's it's like I want to say damn. Can I say damn on your show here? It's damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because there's going to be people that look at it and say, "Wow, that was such a beautiful way. That was intimate. That was mm. private." Mm. And then there's going to be people that look at it and they're going to say wow, that was really not a very extravagant way to propose. Yeah, anyways, you know, I think at the end of the day, any female who cares about her boyfriend, her groom-to-be, won't care about his proposal that much, you know? It it won't be... Absolutely. Yeah, if you're that worried about having the perfect proposal to post on Instagram or, you know, on any form of social media, then there's... There's something wrong there. Yeah, you know? and if you if you know that you're going to propose, you obviously know what your significant other wants. Yeah. So that was the thing that I thought about a lot. Yeah. I was just thinking, okay, you don't really like ginormous gestures in front of a whole bunch of people. So I was like, oh, you love the outdoors. This is going to be the perfect trip for that. Um, and that was one thing that I really thought about. And I agree with you. I don't think it really matters as much mm-hmm. um, about how large of a gesture or... Um, intricate it is I think it's more about the people that are involved and if it comes from the heart and then you know your significant other more than anyone and you love them and they love you then it's not going to matter as much I, I totally agree with that yeah cool moving forward from the proposal to now planning the wedding mm. I think was so intense it was way more intense than I expected it to be uh, but just more about the wedding industry. I learned that vendors will often have a 20 to 25% marriage markup compared to the cost of renting renting the same space mm-hmm. for a sweet 16. I don't know if you just made that birthday. marriage markup, if you just made that word up, but that sounded great. Uh, I, I did it. Okay, you stole it from somewhere. I stole okay. it. Yeah, market marketwatch.com mm. um stated that fact. Okay, but I thought that was like a a really interesting price, only because um I'm not going to call out any specific venues, but while we were shopping for venues, there's there were some venues that straight up had packages and their wedding packages compared to their packages that they had just for a celebration mm-hmm. were um, way more expensive. And I just thought it was interesting, right? Because you're getting the same space. You're getting the same service. Mm. But I'm walking in with a white dress, so I'm paying double the price. Well, just And you can think back to that white dress also. Think about how much you spent on that dress. Yeah. And how much other brides spend on the dress, which is, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, if not more for some some of these like high-priced designer yeah. white dresses when you can go into many other stores and spend way less than that on any other type of dress. Mm-hmm. So and there is a dress. gigantic wedding markup or marriage markup, whatever you like to call it. Um, for venues, for dresses, for even tuxedos when it comes down to that. Yeah. 
if you have the ceremony at the the hall that you're having your reception, the price is going to be more. If you go over 20 minutes, you have to pay for an hour, yeah. which is way different than, than if you go in there and you say, I want to have my daughter's birthday party here. Exactly. And then they yeah. pull out their little nice notebook exactly. because you're not going to spend a ridiculous amount of money there. So people just assume that you want to not want to people assume that you are going to spend money on a wedding right. whether you're going to go into debt for it or whether right. you've saved for it yeah and most of the time we do <laughs> whether we want to admit it or not whether we are aware of it or not and i was reading in some articles that some interesting things right some venues that don't have a set package a couple walks in there and they will check what the the woman's engagement ring looks like. Yeah, so and the, isn't that ridiculous? Yeah, That's like yeah crazy. right? But then it <laughs> makes sense. And then there's an article that was talking about the, the bridezilla culture mm. and how we feed into that and how we encourage it. Because the more you can have a girl become a bridezilla, the more that vendors are able to sell, the more that this female becomes particular about what she wants, whether it's flowers, whether it's certain decorations, and then it just adds up to that pricing. And if you're talking about a groom who wants to make his bride to be happy, and mm -hmm. you talk about uh, uh, parents who want to make you know, their daughter happy and bridesmaids who desperately want to be bridesmaids. So all that contributes. So, right. So it's, it's all commercialized because a lot of it is what we see on TV, what we see, uh, in magazines, absolutely films do that a lot, you know, where you have this crazy bride or you have two friends that are battling to have the best wedding yeah. and we laugh about these things and we think that it's ridiculous until we are put into that sh in, into the same shoe as them, and you're kind of like, oh, like I kind of I behaved like this about something that I really wanted. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Here's my little advice: you do not want to go into it saying I don't want to spend more than this because the first thing you need to ask yourself is how many people are coming to my wedding. Oh. And when you ask yourself that question, you add twenty people. Yeah. Because it's never going to be as many people as you think it's going to be because everyone in your family is going to want to bring someone else. Yeah. But for, you know, that's the one thing that I think is really important is you want to decide how many people are coming. Yeah. And the easiest way to decide that is yeah. look at how many people you want in your wedding party. Yeah. And then double that number because they all need plus ones. Yeah. And then look how many people are in your family. Yeah. And you invite and you think about, okay, there's 30 people on my side. There's 30 people on my wife's side. So if you have right there, 60 people. Yeah. Um, and then you want to both invite 15 of your closest friends yeah. while you're already pushing 100. Yeah. So it's really, really hard um, to figure out exactly how many people are going to come. So you want to know hey, I'm going to plan for yeah. 100 people, but I might have to pay for 120. So that yeah. right there is your budget. And you have to keep in mind that when a lot of times when venues give you the packages, up until you give a deposit, you don't get the full description where tax and tip is exactly. not included. And that, that's, the, that's tax, whole... the tax took us by surprise a little bit. Yeah. I think the tip we knew was going to be yeah. coming. Yeah. But when you are paying, 
I mean, just think seven percent of whatever you're paying. Yeah. Um, you know, on ten thousand dollars, seven percent is seven hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, so just just make sure you factor that in at the beginning because all those packages do not tell you about they the tax yeah. or the tip. Yeah. So at the end of the day, we had to pay the tax and the tip on because we had we even invited a harpist, we tipped our wedding photographer, all these things. They and, add up. And yeah. it really does add up. So if you think hey, I don't want to spend $8,000, but hey, I found a wedding venue for $7,000, you're going to go way over the $8,000 when oh, it yeah. comes to a dress, a tuxedo, yeah. um, or a suit, um, your groomsmen, bridesmaids, finding a place to stay, yeah. if you want to rent a car for your grand exit, if you yeah. want to do it, there's just so many there's things There's so involved. many small and things I think that you have to add on, but you also have to remember yeah. all those little things are only things that have been advertised to you. Mm -hmm. A lot of it, you only think about it because you've seen it and you start thinking that it's a must. I have to say, I went into three different bridal shops and yeah, why are you looking at me like I that? I know you did. Oh. <laughs> I'm just saying I know. <laughs> yeah, I went into three different bridal shops and originally I told them, oh, my budget... It's 800. I'm not going over 800 no matter what. And there was probably one dress to choose from at $800. Yeah. there. Oh, no. There was plenty. I didn't like any of them. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> Shopping for a dress, I would text all of my bridesmaids, <laughs> all of my sisters. They all had, you know, their opinions. And I also had to keep you in mind because at the end of the day, like, yeah, I want you to <laughs> think I look good. So... <laughs> So, yeah. a lot of it was like, oh, I don't think Ian would like me in this one. Oh, my sisters are really going to be disappointed if I pick this one. Oh, but I really like this one. But I told myself, you know, I was sticking to 800. And then I tried on my wedding dress and I loved it. And, you know, everyone was cheering me you're on. ringing the bell. Yeah, you're, you're brought the crazy. bell. Like, yeah. um, but just to say, I, I had spent. A thousand and some change. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we had spent. <laughs> we had spent. There you go. That's better. Yes. <laughs> we had spent a thousand and some change um, on my dress. Our future daughter has to wear that dress <laughs> on her wedding day. But yeah, so I really didn't think I was going to spend over a thousand on my wedding dress. So that was a, a surprise. You know, that was already how. David's bridal got me. They showed me my my dream dress, and I was like, "Yeah, I can't afford Haley Page, but Haley Page would make something like this." So yeah. there's that. So after you picked the wedding dress, after all those things, after the wedding, after all the planning, are you glad it's over? Oh my god! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so happy that you, you messed up. Even so, I'm glad. Okay. I'm so glad. I'm I'm so glad it's over. Yes, I. You know, it happened. It, it was great, but I wouldn't want to plan it again. Absolutely not. How about you? Uh, I'm really, really, really <laughs> glad it's over. As you know, I was working three jobs but during that. Yeah. The last, I would say, seven months, we never, we didn't date. We didn't yeah. pursue each other like as much as I wish we could have. Yeah. Uh, we were just, 
in it. You know, we were in that mode. We were planning, we were saving, we weren't going on dates. Our dates were hanging out at our house at just doing homework together. You know, yeah. I was in grad school at the time and we were just working hard, mm-hmm. doing doing the things yeah, we and, needed to do. And that that moves us to a really good point too is that when you are also budgeting for your wedding, um, you have to realize pretty early on if you are go- if you and your partner are going to be paying for the wedding, if your family is going to be helping, um, and if not, that plays an important role on how you budget your wedding. Um, and pretty early on, we did not expect you know any help from either side of our family. We knew, I mean, we would accept the help and we're thankful for all the wonderful gifts we received. It was amazing. The gifts, the love, but those were not expectations. Well, love was, but like money was not expectation. You know, I was not expecting on either side of the family to, to help. So pretty early on, we knew that we were budgeting our wedding for what we could afford and for what made sense. Mm. And I can say that once you realize that you are planning your wedding with your money, um, shut off any other sort of opinion from either side. Absolutely, especially when it comes family. to guest list. Yeah, oh, especially when it comes to, to guest list, you know? As many of you know, my wife is from Congo, and I am not. I am from Indiana. No way. Yeah, yeah way. Absolutely. So we have very different cultural um, understandings of what a wedding looks like. And we talked about that so much. Um, she really helped talk me through and understand what um, her wedding process looks like. Uh, and it was it was not a huge deal for me to... Um, to get into it and really try to be respectful about it once I understood. Before that, I think I was, very, was a little naive to it, and um, she could probably attest to that, that I was very naive to um, what it meant to marry in, into an African family. In the Congolese community, you have a traditional wedding, and uh, if you would choose to, a white wedding, which is the one that we are talking about now. So the traditional wedding was, um, for us, very small, but culturally it's usually bigger than the white wedding where Mm -hmm. everyone's invited. Um, And you can probably talk more about it than I can, but um, that was something that I also didn't expect to um, be a part of. So that was one thing that I always joke that uh, that was was my... uh, Not, I don't joke about it, but... (laughs) <laughs> I would say that's my African wedding and when I would tell people I'm African married they would just say what like they would look at it kind of funny I'd be like yeah that, that was my African wedding and now I'm gonna have a white wedding and then people started to think that I was saying white wedding because I'm white mm-hmm. and my wife is black <laughs> but but white wedding uh, just applies to the white dress wedding yeah. so that was the whole thing um, and we did that a little untraditionally we we've done almost everything untraditionally yeah yeah speaking of of traditions like and you know just like you said earlier I can speak more about it but up until this is the only wedding I've ever planned mm-hmm. just so you know. Okay. <laughs> Well, thanks, I guess. <laughs> That's good. But, you know, 
some of it I was, you know, confused about myself. And, you know, it was very different, too, because my mom wasn't around. So it was trying to navigate this whole, you know, I got engaged and trying to respect my father, mm. trying to respect my family, um, explaining to the fiancé that I love and really wanted to marry how things work out in the African community. At the end of the day, I'm so thankful because I feel like my family honored my wishes, honored our wishes as far as having something smaller. Mm -hmm. And um, we still respected that culture as well with doing things the right way. So that's also something that we had to add into our budget, though, because yeah. there's a certain way that that party has to to happen. It can't just happen out of nowhere. So, and those in the African community know what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. There's so. definitely steps that have to be taken, and I'm thankful for having such a wonderful well, fiance at the time, husband now that was able to just put his heart into it and listen to my point of view and stuff like that. Uh, it became like a crime to want a small wedding. <laughs> and that's what I didn't understand. And for us, you know, traditionally, it's just really unusual to want to have a small wedding because, you know, African families are big and we like to celebrate and we like to dance and drink and support one another sometimes. <laughs> um, and so it was really hard for my family, which I don't blame them, but it was really hard for my family to explain to the community that, you know, that this girl who grew up in this community wanted, you know, this small wedding. So there's a lot of things that we did that, maybe not a lot, but there's some of the things that we did weren't traditional. And I think I really gave up that idea of having the typical or usual or traditional wedding. I mean, I think our wedding was still pretty normal. But, you know, after I had already announced to my family and my bridesmaids that I was going to do a first look and not everyone was, you know, so happy about it, I decided, well, you know what? There's a lot of things that I'm not doing that are traditional or that, you know, that my family might not like. Or What were some of those things? Well, the veil, right? Um, they wanted me to cover my face while I was walking down the aisle. <laughs> and I made that very clear. I did not like that. Yeah, and I didn't care much for it, too. But more than just that, I I often like, I often wonder, like, what, why do we do the things that we do, right? And a lot of the things that we do um, for weddings, like, where do they actually come from? Which I actually kind of want to talk about because some of them are really interesting right for instance you know we pick these girls to stand beside us and to wear similar dresses um, but originally bridesmaids wore similar dresses to the bride so the bridesmaid back in the days the bridesmaids dresses weren't that far fetched from the bride's dress and they did that to confuse her exes and to outsmart evil spirits. That way, spirits wouldn't know which woman in the group was getting married. I wonder what point in history that it transitioned from wearing a similar dress as the bride to 
these extravagant bridesmaid dresses that are different colors to right. match the well, wedding color. Yeah. And then, did you know, the best men's former duty was to make sure the bride didn't escape before the wedding. Sometimes he would even be asked to kidnap her, uh, which is why the term best man came about. So it wasn't just like your best friend or your brother, but it was the guy who was the strongest or the guy who who was capable of using weapons such as a sword. I don't know if Levi was capable of any of that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about any of that. He uh, was your best man. He would have been in charge of kidnapping me. I don't know if he could do it. I think he could take him. So, you know, that's interesting, right? So all these different things that we do or that we participate in, it, we don't know why we do them. We just do them. Um, white dresses. A bride wearing a white dress. White is often associated with purity. But before the mid-1800s, brides actually wore red. They didn't begin wearing white until around 1840 when Queen Victoria was married to Prince Albert. At the time, white represented wealth as opposed to purity. Hmm. So when Queen Victoria wore whites for her wedding, obviously she was a queen, so, you know, other women. Wanted to copy her. Exactly. So that's how and wearing whites. kind of stuck. <laughs> right. And so that's why when we say, oh, well, bridesmaids wore um, dresses similar to the bride, well, they, they were probably all red or they probably mm. wore the same makeup. And so I guess when an evil spirit came or when the, all the exes showed up at the wedding, <laughs> they would be confused. Who's the bride? Um, and then also, ancient Greek brides were... Uh, no, ancient Greek brides would carry clusters of herbs and spices, not flowers, to ward off any evil spirits. So originally, it was in bouquets. And I... I don't know. It's interesting. I don't know why all these have to do with spirits. I don't know why ghosts or evil spirits are so interested in attending people's weddings. I don't get it. But that was a thing. And originally, brides wore veils to protect them from evil or jealous spirits and to confuse the devil. But in some cultures, it was used to trick the groom into marrying a lady. Perhaps he wasn't all that interested in, or let's just say someone who wasn't all that physically attractive. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, if that heavy veil was, you know, in front of her face, the the groom couldn't see her until Mm. he already said, I do. Then, you know, he took it off, and whether or not he liked her, he got to be with her. So when do you think they started being see-through? Because aren't all veils now see-through veils? Oh, yeah, most. I mean, all the ones I had tried were. There are some that were way more than others, but, you know, I don't know. And these are facts that you can look up, you know, on Google. They're on every website. But I think it's just so interesting, right? Because... My family wanted me to wear a veil and cover myself up as a sign of purity because that's what it's always been known to for them in Africa. Um, But again, I just, I didn't want to have a certain look just to please people because looking back at where it it originates from, it's like, it's not, do we even know why (laughs) we're doing it? 
I really liked our the size of our wedding party. That was one thing I really loved. Um, I think it's so hard to coordinate with people now because it you know you have all this technology, your cell phone, all these things, but people are busy. Like that's just how it is. People are so busy. All of my groomsmen were so far away. You know, I had three of them in Indiana. One of them was in Texas, so it was really hard to get all of them here. Um, and then together, all all together, trying to get the same things, trying to try on um, their groomsmen outfits. So that was one thing that I was really glad that we had a smaller wedding party. Uh, how do you feel about having a small, would you rather have a bigger one or a smaller one? How do you feel about that? Oh my goodness. Yeah. I thought our wedding party was perfect and it was for each and I, I could even go smaller. Not saying that I didn't enjoy the people who stood, yeah. you know, who stood by us. I, I loved all of my girls and all of your guys. But again, back to where it's all about about image and being commercialized nowadays. You log on Pinterest and usually you see this wedding with a huge wedding yeah, party. Yeah, 14 people oh standing on each side. Oh my goodness. And I'm and just like, and again, a lot of it is just set design. It's not real weddings. So when you are you when you are the average millennial who just finished college or who is attending grad school and working your you know your average job and same thing goes for the people, you know, for the friends you want to stand beside you, no, you know, they don't want to spend 500 plus on your wedding. So I think you just have to be careful. Yeah. For coordinating or if you're just doing it for looks or if it's, or if you really have 14 friends that are really close to you, I really did not. So I I was not going to, to just have, you know, four extra girls just for the looks of it. Even if we had a bigger venue, I still would have had the same size. Um, for a wedding party. Yeah. So we have talked about large and small wedding parties. Mm. Tell me what you think about large and small weddings. Which one would you have preferred? I feel like we've had, we had a medium wedding, you know, small, I think is 50 people. Large is 150 plus. Mm. We were right in the middle Mm -hmm. with about a hundred. Tell me what you thought. Yeah, I think I, I, I would want smaller or just the amount we had. Um, it was perfect. I think what happened is you have to keep in mind, we were pretty strict on our guest list, right? We knew who we wanted there. Um, and, you know. And we knew we didn't want to have a lot of kids there because we were serving alcohol. Right. So it was so, one thing that we really focused on, I think. So what I mean by I would prefer small is, okay, people have to, to take an account and some people have never attended a wedding, but usually, at least when you're doing a wedding where the ceremony and the reception are in the same spot, all the majority of the money that you're paying for is for the reception, mm. not the ceremony. Ceremony is more so the decoration. So yeah, you might be paying for all the decorations that that has to be done but as far as like the hourly you're not paying for it Mm. so the issue I think that we kind of ran into was people showed up at the ceremony and some left so early 
for the reception. But then at the same time, we paid for you to be at the reception, not the ceremony. So that's what made it tricky, where then there were some guests who really wanted to show up at the reception, and we're like, oh, we can't because we want 100 guests, and we already have 100 guests, but some of the guests that we counted only showed up for the ceremony, only to sit at the reception for like 10 or 30 minutes and then dip out. So a lot of your guests, too... Invite people that have good mannerism when it comes to showing up at a wedding. I know that sounds very, maybe harsh, but a part of it is true. And if you're a guest for a wedding, just keep in mind that these people, some of them are paying for their wedding on their own. And even if they're not, there's people that really care about them that are paying for their wedding. Mm -hmm. So just keep in mind, you... You matter, right? Like they personally paid for you to be there. They paid for your dinner. They paid for your drink. And at the end of the day, you can get tons of gifts. You can get cash gifts. You can get all these new kitchen appliances. But the fact that we paid for your presence to be there, we really want you to be there. So stay. The least Mm -hmm. you can do is stay. So I think that was the issue where some people really cared about being at the ceremony and they're like, oh, the ceremony was beautiful. It's done. I'm going to eat dinner and leave. (laughs) And then you also, I don't know, that was rough. And then you also have people that RSVP and just never show up. Yeah. (laughs) People that RSVP and their place card is there, their seat is there, and it kind of At the time, again, this is not something I would have noticed at the time of our wedding, but I noticed it after our wedding, and it's kind of rough because when you make a guest list, it's very selective, right? So there are some people that are in the maybe list, and it's so inconsiderate. Emergencies happen, of course, but it's so inconsiderate when you don't excuse yourself we understand that there are emergencies. Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of times that, you know, there's things that are out of your control and texting the bride or groom the day of two hours before is one of those things that we get, you know, your babysitter falls through or, you know, something happens, you have car trouble, whatever. I had a hundred plus texts on my phone the day of my wedding. I was not checking any of them. Yeah. We didn't miss what was happening we were there for each other we didn't care who was there and who wasn't we were so happy our friends who were there actually made it but we were not missing people that day was about us there's a lot of couples that don't get to have weddings that don't get to have glamorous weddings where the girl wears a white dress there's every single day there are people that are fighting to be together and the closest that they could get to having a wedding is finally being allowed to be together and being somewhere safe so having a wedding is a gift it's a glamorous gift it's not a must. Uh, what makes a marriage is the vows that you promise to your spouse and to God and you're married. So yeah, everything else is just added. Yeah, We've created this image. It's silly. Yeah, it comes down to the social media culture that just cultivates you wanting or having to have this perfect day. Yeah, absolutely. And just real quick, some of the things that uh, we did 
I guess different is we didn't do a grand exit. To be honest, I don't even remember how we exited the venue. We were just kind of tired. We had an after party and we just got inside of Ian's car and we left. Uh, we didn't do the garter toss. <laughs> no. Heck no. I did the bouquet toss. We didn't do the garter toss. We And didn't... I'll, I'll tell you why I did not <laughs> want to do that. You know, the garter toss, you have to, your wife sits down in a chair and you have to, in front of everyone, go underneath her dress and dig in her business in front of your family, <laughs> in front of their family. I did not want to go digging around in my wife's <laughs> business in front of her father. I just felt like that was disrespectful in front of my mother. I did not want to do that. So that was one thing that we decided we did not want to I do. I just think it's lame. I didn't even think about it I just as didn't much want to that be much. Disrespectful, and I then think. also the origins of that, I believe, is actually when it was a distraction where mm. the guy throws the garter so that him and his wife could go consummate the marriage <laughs> and the reception the reception everyone at the reception is distracted by the bouquet toss and the garter toss something like that i don't know how accurate that is yeah. but we didn't do that uh we didn't do the cake cutting we had a cake we didn't care much we didn't think having the biggest cake in the world was the biggest deal you know we weren't even going to have a cake and well then, we uh, were going to have a cake we were going to have a cake along with little cupcakes on the side that was it cupcakes but my family was like oh no <laughs> <laughs> so we got a cake and it was wonderful it was so delicious and I guess you're supposed to save the cake for a year. We did not know <laughs> we that. Did not. We <laughs> ate our cake after our honeymoon. We, we came back to our home and we ate our cake. We did not, yes, yeah, so we did not do your traditional cake cutting. Yeah, so in wrapping up, just remember to do your research and remember that becoming one with another person doesn't have to be that complicated and doesn't have to be so elaborate or what we have made the wedding industry become or I'm still thankful for our wedding and it was beautiful and we danced with everyone and even though we may have fell into some of the wedding industry not per se traps but like um well they were traps <laughs> sure but you know at the end of the day we have beautiful pictures we had a beautiful day and i think that a lot of our guests were really happy to be there ian goff thank you so much for being on my podcast today oh this was a pleasure of mine it was really fun i had a good time yeah i look forward to i it. look forward to also being on very on many more episodes all right let's hope We'll, we'll see how this one turns yeah, out. Yeah, you're going to freaking take me off. You're <laughs> going to cut me out. <laughs> I love you. I love you. And I'm so happy that I went through this marriage craziness with you. <laughs> me too. Wedding craziness, I guess. Marriage is crazy too, but this wedding craziness. Wedding craziness. Thank you. you so much for checking out this episode of donuts with diane i had so much fun bringing in my husband ian and just talking about weddings and all that that was it was pretty funny it was a good time please tune in next week though as i talk about something 
a little bit more serious as I dive into the different variations of trauma and although I'm not really that educated when it comes to trauma I'm planning on bringing someone who is um, you can follow me at Donuts with Diane on Instagram or on my personal account, which is Diane K. Goff, G-O-U-G-H. And remember, why eat sweet when you can be sweet. Bye, friends. Mm-hmm.